Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by Wes Hodkowitz and Larry McCarron. We are here at the Convention Center in downtown Indianapolis, the annual NFL Scouting Combine. We're a couple days into this extravaganza, gentlemen, and the first day on Tuesday, we heard from Packers head coach Matt LaFleur and general manager Brian Gutekunst. I'm just interested in your biggest takeaway from the information that they provided. I, I think it starts with the fact Matt LaFleur mentioning this team is the hunted again. I mean, you go two years where they were out of the playoffs. They're trying to play catch up again within the NFC and obviously the NFC North. And here they are again, 13-3, and three, getting back to an NFC title game in what they need to do, not only to maintain that, but take that next step. And I, I look at this roster right now, it's young, it's deep, it's talented. You need to find those extra prospects through this process and maybe another one of these free agents or two that can help put you over the hump. But this team very much is confident in where it's going, the direction that it's in, and obviously what it's going to take to get where they want to go. Yeah. Larry, how about you? Mike, I found it interesting, the different points of view when you ask them, the receiver question. Are you interested? Do you have to upgrade there? Because Brian Gutekunst kind of played it more middle of the road because we're talking about whether you go with what you've done before, the big, tall, rangy guys, because the Packers have a mess them, yeah. whether you go with it, or you kind of dip into those smaller receivers. And Brian, well, we'd love to have that big guy that can do it all. But when I asked Matt LaFleur the same question, Matt said, you know, if we can hit a guy on a shallow cross or he can take it 60 yards for a touchdown, that's the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> so it'll be interesting how that dynamic plays out. Yeah, I think so. Getting back to your point, Wes, Larry, you and I both covered the entirety of Mike McCarthy's coaching career. And if he said it once, he said it a hundred times. One of the biggest challenges in this league, if not the biggest challenge, is handling success. And as Matt LaFleur said, the Packers are one of the hunted again. This is a team that is going to have to learn in 2020 how to handle success. Now, there are plenty of guys in that locker room who have been through this before. But there are also a lot of guys in that locker room who hadn't been to the playoffs before, who had gone through the two losing seasons in 2017 and 2018, and that's all they knew in the NFL. Larry, I'm interested in your perspective here. You went through some ups and downs in your career with the Packers. Mostly much, downs, I might have. Well, but but there thanks were, for bringing it up. But there, there, there were some ups in no, there, though, there right? Were, there were. So, People can't even remember anymore. I could say I was a 10-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Glory years right yeah, there. There you go. There you know, you he go. played with Fuzzy and Jerry. You know, I mean, but how did things change when you were going into an offseason and getting prepared for another season when the expectations from the outside were maybe a little higher than they had been previously? I think that's a great thing. I think expectations are absolutely fine. And I found it interesting yesterday talking to Matt LaFleur. He said, you know, we're either getting better or getting worse. No matter how you ended <laughs> right. the season, yep. and yep. if you're in the final four or a long way from it, you are on a daily basis, both collectively and individually, you are either getting better or worse. And as long as you take that approach, expectations be whatever they may be, so what? It's about here. What's inside here and what you expect of yourself 
and your teammates. You know, in some ways, too, I look at this team. You know, they went farther than what happened in 2009. But I think that this could really be the launching point for them getting with younger guys on this roster who hadn't experienced playoff football before. There's no false confidence with these guys. I mean, a guy like Jair Alexander, he's as confident as anyone that's ever walked into that locker room in my time on the beat. And now he has that experience behind him of playing postseason football. So I don't think you chase 14 wins. I don't think you're looking for these, you know, statistics or maybe numerals in terms of what makes you better. But I think that if the Packers are able to sort of use that as a launching point, use it as sort of something that can really springboard them now into 2020, the pieces are there and in so many different facets. Now, are they going to lose a couple guys here in a couple weeks? Undoubtedly. That's what happens with the NFL and the free agent process. But you look at this entire roster and the depth that they built up through the course of the year and how they did respond to the few moments of adversity that they saw along the way, I think there's reason to believe that this is only the beginning of bigger things to come. Here's a prediction for you. The guys, the rank and file, are going to get tired of being asked about measuring up to last year, bettering last year. They're going to get sick and tired of last year. (laughs) And here's another thing, just personal opinion. Last year is not going to play any kind of a role in this year. The dynamics change on both sides of the equation. Your locker room, your personnel, your everything changes a bit from year to year. As much as you'd want to bottle it up and keep some of the stuff they had, keep that locker room, keep that good health, how would that be? As much as you want to bottle, it just doesn't happen that way. And every year, you got to earn it once again. And I think that's the challenge that faces the Green Bay Packers. And I think, as I mentioned, they're going to be more than ready for that challenge because they're going to get sick of hearing (laughs) about last year. Yeah, Yeah, and that speaks to something Brian Gutekunst has emphasized over and over again here as we've heard from him in the offseason, and that is that, this offseason is not about just chasing the San Francisco 49ers and figuring out how to beat them because, as you said, Larry, it's a year-to-year thing. You never know how it's going to come together, not only for the Packers but for the other teams right. in the league. You don't know who's going to be that team to beat. Maybe it'll be Green Bay. Maybe it'll be San Francisco again. Maybe it'll be somebody else who wasn't in the playoffs the last couple of years just like the 49ers and right. the Packers were in 2019. They were in that position. So. Brian Gutekunst, his personnel staff, the coaching staff, this is about putting together and building a roster that's going to be able to withstand the adversity, withstand whatever storms come your way. It's not about the opponents. It's about what's going on at 1265 and fortifying and building that roster, using the combine here to look to the future and put things together so that, as Larry said, you can keep getting better so you don't start going the other way. Yeah, and history is always the biggest predictor of future success and what's going to happen. And just look at what has happened over the last 10 years in the NFC. If you were looking at the New York Giants, in 2011 well then there comes the San Francisco 49ers Seattle comes right after that Arizona gets hot then you obviously had the run that you had with the Atlanta Falcons and so on and so forth the league changes the league evolves and one year does not necessarily just indicate what's going to happen the next there is a challenge I think it's going to be a really deep NFC again next year but the Packers are back to where they want to be this isn't like last year where there was questions about well you didn't have anybody left from the 2015 draft what are you going to do about some of these positions where there's been uncertainty they have found a way and I tip my cap to Brian Gutekunst with this that 
they went and found four free agents that were immediate upgrades for them. They were able to influence and change the offensive culture, and Aaron Jones becomes a legitimate playmaker in this league. There are more answers than questions, and now it's, okay, where do we need to find the ways to learn from what happened in the past to put them back in a Super Bowl in 2020? Yeah, well, I want to get back, too, to Larry's original point about the Packers looking at some wide receivers. They're looking at, obviously, some upgrades on offense here as they look to the future but we also heard about the running back position yesterday as well and the Packers trying to maybe build some more depth at running back you talked about Aaron Jones there's Jamal Williams well both of those guys are going into a contract year yeah. so you don't know how long necessarily you keep that duo together so fortifying that position building some depth there that's something Matt LaFleur talked about as well in terms of what he wants to the extra thing that he wants to bring to this offense well and the thing I keep bringing up is the San Francisco 49ers two years ago they went and signed Jarek McKinnon that was supposed to be the guy that was going to be their offensive you know bell cow and he's had injury after injury Raheem Mostert comes out of relatively nowhere off of all these different practice squads to become one of their leading rushers this season obviously you look at Tavon Coleman I mean that's a very legitimate guy that the Packers have become very familiar with. But when they need to go to Jeff Wilson, they did it. When they had to go to Kyle Juszczyk, they did it. I, I think that just shows you that you don't necessarily want eight running backs. You don't know who you're running with, but you need to have options over the course of a long season. I think that's the point LaFleur is trying to bring up. Also, you know, you look at what the New England Patriots did for a lot of years, matchup football, not really knowing who they're going to hit you with in any given week. There is something to be said for that kind of unpredictability as well, where, hey, maybe it's not always Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Maybe there's a third option they can really beat you with. Yeah. Tell you guys something about the running back position, and history will bear this out. As a matter of fact, Pro Football Focus did a scientific study encompasses the last 14 years in the National Football League. You can find running backs anywhere, Yeah. any round. You can find them. The Packers are a great testament to that. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Jones, I mean, he was hardly a big-time first-day round one draft right. choice, but look at the season he had. But history says you can find running backs anywhere. So just if he's one of the, the picks in the sixth or the seventh round, doesn't mean he's not a player because you can find him. Yeah, yeah James absolutely. Starks was another one of them when you go back to 2010. I mean, what he provided for them. They, they are there. It's just trying to find maybe a third option to really – give you that extra dimension to that offense yeah and Matt LaFleur also talked about in terms of refining revising some things offensively he talked about the the play calling the verbiage I think you know they want to tighten that up so that maybe the no huddle the up-tempo stuff becomes a little bit more of an option not just in the two-minute yeah. drill and whatnot my point is I think we're going to see this Matt LaFleur offense evolve we didn't see the whole shooting match, so to speak, in 2019, there are some more things that, that he wants to do going forward. Yeah, it was one of those things, too. I'd never really got to grow accustomed to watching Rodgers with the, you know, the sleeve on. That <laughs> the was wristband. just something I never had been really used to. I was um, surprised that didn't become more of a story. Because yeah. as the like season we're on, people just got kind of used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have liked, at the end of the year, if I had thought of it, I would have asked Aaron, Hey, how'd you like the wristband thing? Yeah, Did that, that work different. out or was yeah. it a pain in the neck? How was it? Yeah. Uh, but nobody really ever no. focused on that story as time no. went on. But the thing that was my biggest takeaway, if you go back to last month's season-ending news conference, was Lafleur kind of talking about the fact they didn't really get into their hurry-up stuff, their no-huddle, other than, you know, moments of necessity. And I think that is a really big calling card. When you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, to sort of have that, that card up your sleeve and – 
there's a lot of things that play into that. Rodgers is part of it. The pieces around him are part of that. But I think with him mentioning the verbiage and, and the offensive coaches working to you know maybe simplify some of those things, that can go a long way, especially when you're plugging and playing different types of athletes. I think there's a couple things going on at work here when you talk about the Packers and where's the offense headed. Number one is the things you're talking about right now, and that's adding to the list of things you do and so forth. And the other thing, and don't underestimate this, because now that you have a season of getting acclimated, I'm not talking just Aaron Rodgers, I'm talking about you have a whole season working it. What you do, the things you hang your hat on, you will do better because you've got another year in the system. So there's two avenues for improvement when you're talking Green Bay Packer offensive football. Yeah, a couple of other pieces of news to pass along. Matt LaFleur did mention on Tuesday that it sounds like there's an agreement in place for the Packers to host joint practices for a couple of days in training camp again next summer, but he wasn't quite prepared to reveal what team that was going to be. The other thing is he also spoke very highly of the new defensive backs coach that he hired in Jerry Gray, a veteran guy. He's been a coordinator in this league for a couple years most recently. He spent several years coaching the secondary with the Minnesota Vikings. He's very excited about the experience that a guy like Jerry Gray bring will bring to the secondary room and it sounds like he's kind of maybe looking for an experienced type of guy for that wide receiver coach position that is still open. Yeah they're still looking to fill that right now obviously getting some help scouting prospects but getting back to Gray I think having a, a new voice in there and, and Jason Simmons did a wonderful job Joe Witt did a wonderful job during their time in Green Bay but you look at his credentials and what he accomplished in Minnesota there are some blue chippers that he helped develop and they weren't all first round draft picks so to see what he brings to this group and, and something I thought that was interesting too, LaFleur mentioned, it's not just the defensive backs. He's really excited to see what he could potentially add to that whole defensive staff as they you know, try to get some more options there as well. Yeah. Gray is also a former player, which does not necessarily make you a good coach. However, from what I've heard, he has incorporated that approach, that experience that you just can't replace. Yeah. He's incorporated that into his coaching style, and the guys really respect him. If you are a good coach and happen to be a former player, it's like a double <laughs> bonus. But like I mentioned, just because you play doesn't make you a good coach, but in some cases it puts you over the top. Yeah as far as being a position coach. Well, over our first two days here in Indy, we have heard from the vast majority of the offensive prospects, college players who are heading into the draft. Before we go today, I want to ask you guys for the best story you've heard from a prospect at these podiums uh, behind us through these first couple of days. Larry, is there one that sticks out to you? It's really a shame, Mike, that you came to me first on this because I'm not a big soundbite guy, especially in this atmosphere. Now, everybody's on their best behavior. Nobody has fumbled. Nobody's missed a block. Nobody has missed a tackle. The the birds are singing and the sky is blue as far as football goes. I'm not a real big soundbite guy at this point. And what I want to do is when the thing kind of gets focused a little more, is start grinding tape. And then when I see a guy's a player, the next step for me is seeing what he has to say. Yeah. Okay. But first, I got to decide if he's a player. Sorry, but that's the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I got to throw out a quick 
little plug for James Morgan. Uh, my former life as a newspaper man, this is one of the last guys that I actually covered when I was uh, at the newspaper, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Covered him when they won a state championship in the 1600-meter relay. And he is a really interesting story because not only is he looking to become the first area quarterback from the Green Bay Metro area to get drafted in 32 years, he also grew up a Brett Favre fan like many kids in the Green Bay area. The story I love from him the most, he wore number four growing up all the way until his eighth grade year. Then he switched over to number 12 when he was asked about why he made that decision. He basically said, you can figure it out. So those were his two big idols. He's a quarterback that I think when you look at where he came from, he felt like he was under-recruited in the state of Wisconsin. He thinks that's something that a lot of young guys in this state have had to really overcome. But he went to Ball State, in the, or I should say Bowling Green, and then he also went down to FIU, and he very well could be drafted here in two months' time. Who yeah. was the last Green Bay quarterback to get drafted? Bud Keys, Bud Keys from the Green Bay West and he, he was after Jerry Taggy. And Jerry Taggy, yeah. 1972. And I played with Jerry Taggy. You did? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's hope your fella does a little better. <laughs> well, one story I want to pass along quickly, because you hear a lot of great ones, and I have no idea if the Packers are interested in this player, and that's not why I'm bringing him up. And he may not even be drafted until the late rounds of this draft. But Adam Troutman, the tight end from the Dayton Flyers. Now, when you say Dayton Flyers, people usually think basketball right? This is a non-scholarship football program. In high school, he was a veer triple option quarterback. He also played corner as like a 6'3 kid. He said he was one of the biggest cornerbacks on the field. Well, he tries to email college programs to get some interest and get a scholarship. He says he was ghosted. Nobody replied to him at all. He ends up going to Dayton as a non-scholarship football player, just jumps in as a tight end, makes a diving catch one day in practice. The coach is like, all right, there's our tight end. And now here he is at the scouting combine. He's probably going to get drafted at some point when a few years ago, he wasn't even thinking he'd be able to play college football or get anybody to pay attention to him. So those are the kinds of stories that are really fun to listen here to here at the Combine. And we'll get some more the next couple of days from the defensive guys. Yeah, that's what's cool. Because as big as the Joe Burrows, like media scrum can get, and obviously Jonathan Taylor just spoke a little while ago, it's those guys that maybe just got here by chance, by happenstance, and at the end of the day, end up becoming NFL football players. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll have another episode here before we go. Until then, for Larry and Wes, I'm Mike. We will see you next time.